0: My daughter's on her way down i think she'll be here about 7 30 so let's let's get it in
1: <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> well no and, and this is one of the things that that kind of that i was kind of taken aback uh with on on uh saturday when you started talking about experiencing uh you know like real core carnal racism in this space here right and and it didn't click with me until like walking in the door like oh like this is this is more than just you know uh, you know a, a feeling like this is a this is a lived experience this that's is like a rooted in lived
0: experience. And when I passed the varsity theater, it's like mm. you know I guess it's some things that you just never ever forget. And I know with my dad, he would often tell us stories uh, when he would go to the army. He went to the army and came home and he would say, you know, um, things are really bad here. He said, you know, I have to go around to the back of the Hub Cafe to get a sandwich and can't go in to eat. it. But he served in the armed forces, and those were the kind of stories that I was raised up on and the kind of experiences that I did have. I'm a little older than most people here, so (laughs) I have, you know, you read about it, but I lived it.
1: yeah, so that's that's yeah what what is it like now? I mean just when you when you see so many people that all they can do is talk about it because it's not a lived experience.
0: Well, you know there is a poem by um Paul it's by uh, Paul Lawrence Dunbar, and I read it. We uh, we wear the mask, and I I feel that I lived it. So we laugh. <laughs> we just <laughs> all through life, hurting, crying, wanting things to be better, but we laugh. <laughs> oh. We just fake the
1: grin. I lived it. Yep. What is it like now living in this place that likes to pretend like we're this diverse utopia that doesn't have any sort of history or any sort of modern problems directly connected to race? Is that something you're comfortable talking about? And, and I'll ask that uh, multiple times, Ginger, because at any point in time, I don't want to just ask a question and you feel uncomfortable getting into a subject mm-hmm. so at any point in time just be like what do you mean by reverse utopia oh oh no just by 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 people claiming that this is a diverse utopia right like you know they talk about oh well we've got so many people here and we have yeah and, 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 yes, and i heard it
0: saturday like i'm fine living here it's, this is a wonderful place and i said to myself yeah wonderful for who wonderful for who And I guess, you know, if I lived in some neighborhoods and everything around me looked fine and I get in my car and go, it probably would feel that way. But even when I went and we went to uh, the islands and we uh, drove through all these nice pretty places, but we went into the inner city and I saw the kids that were running behind the buses and wanting money and wanting things that they did not have that we could give. And I know I told my sister about it. She said, you know, people go there, Ginger, they enjoy the beautiful places. They don't come back home talking about stuff like you talking about, about the kids and the kids (laughs) wanting to talk to you and interact. They said, they don't talk about that. What's wrong with you, you know? But maybe that's the eyes that God has given me, that I see uh, the small people. I see the children in need. I see um, some of the conditions going on in the city. And maybe I just don't see the beautiful side of it. And maybe that's not what he wants me to see. So I don't know.
1: And that is a lead in to episode 42 of the WTF Carbondale podcast. Uh, the podcast where we talk to interesting people about their interesting lives and we tie it all back to this little old place we call home Carbondale where we're going to get to see this place through another set of eyes, uh, you know, the properly critical uh, view that we need to have uh, of our home Uh ginger rye sanders is the final interview that we have in our in our slate of interviews with 2021 city council candidates uh but so much more than that she is a lived experience of what uh this town uh has has provided for folks both good uh and bad and i appreciate you taking the time to to have this conversation ginger i I, you know i you never know where these are going to go until we get into them and right you've got you've got you got real things to say.
0: Yes. Real life experiences to say. Um, Carbondale uh, to me is home. I uh, was born in uh, Murfreesboro, but I lived in Carbondale and I went to uh, the Carbondale elementary schools. I graduated from the high schools and um, the high school was a real different experience for me because I went to the Attucks grade schools and that's where I graduated. Mm -hmm. I graduated and I was uh, the valedictorian, one of the valedictorians in the eighth grade. And I went to uh, this new experience, this new horizon, this new place that I had never been and that was to Carbondale Community High School Um, going to Carbondale Community High School, there was a lot of uh, friction. There was a lot of racism. There was a lot of name-calling. We would sit in classes, and the teachers would uh, refer to black people as those people that live in jungles and, and things like that. Those were the kinds of things that we lived through in Carbondale, Illinois. And... It uh, made you really, really feel um, uh, uh, disenfranchised, uh, pretty much abandoned from everything that I had grown to love and know in the Carbondale community because the community was a place of safety for me and when I was in the northeast side of Carbondale. Uh, our teachers were black, and uh, preachers were black, and uh, they had activities for all of us in uh, the summer. And we went to camps together, and we broke bread together. And the preachers would come to my house. My mom and dad loved feeding the preachers. My mom was a good cook, so all the preachers <laughs> would show up at my house. And so, and my brother would get mad. Tell them preachers to go home. I'm tired of them coming over here eating up all of our food. But that was the kind of close-knitted environment that we lived in. My dad, he started a group called The Spiritual Travelers, and they're still singing today. Like 70 years, my dad has been deceased since nineteen ninety-five. Mm-hmm. And uh he had a group and a lot of times to Forget the pain, we would have to sing our way through. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was a little kid, the little guys would get on the on on, on the on the uh, corners, and they weren't doing a lot of shooting then, mm-hmm. but they would get on the corners, and they would say, doo-wop, 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 and they would all sing and harmonize together, and they would pop their fingers, and that was one of their ways that they escaped from what was going on around them. But, you know, Carbondale, I have a lot of memories of Carbondale, but I've always hoped for a better tomorrow. I've always hoped that things would get better. And now I'm in Carbondale now, and I am sitting here and I said, well, God, you must really set me up this time. (laughs) Because I retired from the state of Illinois, Mm -hmm. thinking that I would come home and just lay back and, you know, go on trips and come back home and, you know, be in the family home. Uh-huh. And I had to always make sure I had a nice car because uh-huh. the nice car uh, gave me a way out of Carbondale. and I can get to the airport. And so I said, well, God, you really set me up this time. I'm sitting here laying in the bed, minding my own business, and some kids start shooting each other 500 feet from my house. And I was so outraged. I said, my God, what is going on here? And then that's how... I went to the city hall, and I talked to the mayor, I talked to the police department, and I said, something has to be done about this. I can't live like this. And my grandson was walking home Mm -hmm. from uh, track practice, and I've said this many times, he was like in the line of fire. And it so happened that the other guy did not have a gun. If there was, I don't even know whether my grandson would be here. And I said... Uh, enough is enough, we need to do something. And that's how I got involved in the Women for Change. And I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't have an idea. (laughs) I didn't have no idea about what to do or what a community person does, but I learned. I learned through networking with other organizations and, and they would tell you, well, we do it this way, this is what you have to do, you do this. And I was a good listener and I learned from them and the Women for Change, we have become a a trusted body of women in Carbondale. We're like the grassroots girls, and we know that things <laughs> change from the bottom up. Yeah. And I'm just a believer. It doesn't change from up there down. No, it changed from the bottom up. We go and we knock on doors. We introduce ourselves to people. People know us. Uh, We give them uh, information. Come to our meetings. Let's educate and inform you what's going on. You got problems with your son. Uh, We're going to have a judge for him. You're going to come here and see who these individuals are. And if they... uh, a people that will represent you and your cause, come on out, we just come and we gather information to let the people know, you know, that you have choices out here to make. And so the Women for Change, we got busy in the neighborhood, we have a, a garden, uh, we're concerned about, people eating the right foods. And when this pandemic came, it was like, oh my God, <laughs> what are we doing right now? Because all the things that we could do and were doing, we did little programs for the eighth graders, couldn't do that anymore, yeah. couldn't have a dance. So we had to just get gift cards and everything went virtual, but we always try to contribute and invest into our community. We must invest into our community. And that's what we are, that Women for Change, we are investors in the community, into our youth, in things that are going on. And so uh, during the pandemic, I had like an epiphany moment. (laughs) I was uh, sitting at Walmart and I had let some of the family members go inside and I'm sitting in my car parked. And sitting in my car parked and somebody came in and then somebody else came in and parked and I'm parallel in between the two cars. Mm-hmm. They moved out and I'm sitting here trying to grab my wheel because it felt like I was moving, right? Uh-huh. Have you ever had that experience? <laughs> and I felt like I was moving and I wasn't. And then the other car came and I just, and it came to me you are sitting still and everything around you is moving. You got to start moving, making things change because the change is in your mouth. Cause I believe that the power of the tongue, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And uh, I said, okay, I'm gonna get up and get things done. That's when I started writing, trying to find programs and so for the kids that uh, there were food insecure, they were inside of the home and, 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 and we had this big, notice about the pandemic uh you know we got this virus going it's killing people everybody was afraid to go out and and I told the women I said we're gonna go and we're gonna buy up all this tissue and we're gonna go we went to sales we got everything that we could get we got a uh, face masks uh Kate was sewing face face mask and <laughs> and um Everybody was doing things, trying to make things, or getting you know, bleach and all kinds of products, and we dropped it off to the people. A lot of people were afraid, but we went in and we said, we, you know, we got to do this to make our, our, our community feel safe and the people in Carbondale. We just didn't isolate it to the northeast side of town. We were everywhere trying to uh, make people feel safe in a time that was very troubled. And so from then on, I, I I just knew that it was time for me to do more. And and I had looked at the city council and I just kind of looked at it and, uh, well, I don't know if I want to do that or not, but the, the idea that I should run and I had this passion about running and changing, maybe you can, uh, speak up and speak out about things that uh, and concerns that affect other people in this community. And I thought about the people that uh, shoulders I stand on, a way of putting it, preachers and teachers and people that invested in me and, and, and helped me to become the woman that I am today. And so I said, well, you know, it is time for me to speak up like they did. They spoke up in bold voices and they did not fold. They did not fold under pressure. If it was tight, it was tight and right because they stayed with it until they worked it through. And I said to myself, I will do the same because I look around in Carbondale, there are so many disparities. And I know if I see the disparities, I know somebody else has to see it too. And I know that the only way that we can change things in Carbondale, yes, it's a diversified city, it's a diversified uh, town. We have individuals from everywhere. And I know it's gonna have to take all of us to come together to the table to work this out. And so that's where I am. We're diversified, but we can come together. And sometimes we may disagree, and I don't, I don't, I don't mind you disagreeing with me, but we don't have to be disagreeable. Mm-hmm. When I see you next time, I'm gonna wave at you, I'm gonna smile at you, and smile with you, even though we disagree on things. Husband and wives, they disagree all the time. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that you wanna just walk away and just kill the relationship. Mm -hmm. The relationship is what I'm concerned about. The relationship that will turn uh, events and turn situations around in Carbondale. Relationships that will build safety, a place of safe neighborhoods. Relationships that are concerned about the things that go on in Carbondale, the economic, the employment rate, uh, the employment labor force that does not reflect the demographics of the city. Mm-hmm. I know that there's affirmative action, they say 16%, but they really need to rewrite that. They wrote that back in the 70s sometimes. And when the minority population is 42%, and the affirmative action is, is still saying, 16, something is wrong with that picture to me, too. And so uh, there are a lot of things that we need to work on, but we need to work on it together mm-hmm. and to have really candid uh, conversations. And I even say in my the neighborhoods that I'm from, we have to be responsible for our neighborhoods. We have to be responsible for having conversations with each other. There are neighborhoods inside of neighborhoods here. There are people that have come from Alexander County. And and you ask other people, do you know? No, I don't know them. Well, we need to get to know each other. Because I think one thing about getting to know another man, another woman, you find out that you have more things in common than you do have differences. And I believe that relationships make the difference in communities coming together and that is what it's going to have to take for things to change in Carbondale and there are a lot of things that need to be changed (laughs) I can go on forever we can probably talk until tomorrow here about (laughs) things that need to be changed Okay.
1: Uh, well, so one of the things that you talked about was right standing on the on the shoulders of 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 giants. Right. In terms of folks that that have turned Mm -hmm. uh, communities and and pushed, uh, you know, the the world forward in in this little old place of Carbondale, Mm -hmm. Southern Illinois, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. Right. I mean, is there are, are there are there stories that stand out in your mind? There are so many
0: stories. Oh, my God. Uh, my pastor was Reverend Lennis Turley. He was a very dark-skinned, just tall man, mm-hmm. well-dressed. He would have these top coats and the top hats on. I mean, he was well-dressed, mm-hmm. and he would walk in the room and change the entire environment of the room. He played a piano on top of preaching. And it was a pipe organ uh, organ that you don't even see anymore. Mm-hmm. But he would get on that organ and he would make it talk. <laughs> and I tell you, I do remember him. He was a champion for civil rights. Uh, I used to sing back in the day, so I was the songbird of the church. <laughs> and he would say, come on up here and sing for me, my little songbird. That's what I could sing. I, I, all, all the, I don't sing as much as I used to anymore. <laughs> but anyhow, I would go to their home, and uh, he was so gracious and nice, and his, his wife was a school teacher. And um, he was very concerned about Carbondale. Anytime a black boy got locked up, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: the police department called him on the phone. He would get up out of his bed, go get them and bring them home. That was the kind of uh, neighborhood that I lived in where men were concerned about the boys and they covered them. And they kept them from, getting into uh, trouble and uh, they cared about the families. And this was the kind of man that Reverend Turley was. And there were other men like Reverend Sumner that um, was a champion for civil rights. And he would stand up and get things done. And when the city said that they were gonna, they had a, a bid or something for a job and they didn't, the city didn't abide by it. He got on the phone. It was a telegraph. There was a telegraph company back in the day.
1: <laughs> no text messages. No, no text messages. it was one finger tap, no, tap, tap, tap. <laughs> it
0: wasn't a text. He couldn't page anybody. Oh, you think the page is wild. But he sent a telegram and shut down the whole project because they uh, had made up in their minds that they were not going to. Uh, abide by the conditions of having minorities on the job Mm -hmm. and so those were the kind of leaders that I remember that stood up and stood out. Uh, Reverend Turley went to the March uh, Washington and uh, Salma March and he was always involved in trying to make things better. He sat on the police board. Uh, I want to say that he kind of started this police board uh, in Carbondale, but I was kind of little on that. But I know he was part of that, Mm -hmm. establishing that police board, that community relationship between the police and the uh, community. And during those days, we had black police officers. Mm -hmm. Yes, we did. (laughs) Yes, we did. We had police officers. And... uh, and we knew that uh, we, we respected them, they respected us, and uh, life was just different, life was just different. And uh, did we have struggles, did we have problems? Sure we did, sure we did. But we always felt that if we could wake up tomorrow, tomorrow is another day with new mercies that would give us a chance to turn things around.
1: And that's one of the things that Pepper talked about uh, when I when I talked to him. Uh, shucks, was it last week? Now I'm losing track of time. Time does time's not real in COVID. It's the pandemic. Uh, but I mean, he and he and he talked about that. I mean, he talked about he ta- like he 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 pulled out uh, you know some some pictorial history books, right? And was like, you know, look at this. You know, show you know shown a picture of uh, you know the police force of Carbondale, where you know there there may have been you know, 16 white guys and two black guys, right, which in terms of the ratio between <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> of black to white officers right. now versus right. what it right. is now, right. where you may right. have the same two black guys right. on right. police force of 60-some-odd.
0: Right. <laughs> and then they had the what they call auxiliary uh, mm-hmm. policemen and I think – Few of them were black too, so they had a lot of options back in the day. You w- know.
1: Was your was your father also at some point in time in law enforcement? I can't. Pepper no, my dad was not in law enforcement. Okay. My dad worked for
0: SIU. Okay. And uh, at SIU, he worked uh, as a, a custodian out there. Okay. My mom, she worked at the film library, and uh, they were always concerned about us. You know, uh, good education and, uh, and 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 most people in uh, where I grew up, good education mm-hmm. get you a good job, uh, live a good life, give back to the community, um, be in a position to make change and speak out about things. That that's the kind of um, uh, world that I I lived in, and mm-hmm. my parents, my dad, he. Uh, was i think vice president of the northeast congress at mm-hmm. one time and he worked uh in the community he was a uh, mason he was a worshipful master <laughs> <laughs> and I, i'm not so used with all those terms
1: right but, the, but, but <laughs> there's but, a lot of things going on with but the he was <laughs>
0: very he was a very prominent man in the community. Mm -hmm. Young men gravitated to him and uh, wanted to always have conversations with him. And I'm thankful that I came from such a good home. Uh, My dad, um, he was a a fantastic dad. I, I can remember even coming home when I was working up north and... Every time I would come home, he would, before I would leave, he would make sure I had gas in the car, he'd make sure that the oil is okay, check the tires. He did all of that, brought the car back so I could get on the road. So, you know, he was a fantastic dad. So, And my mother, uh, Miss Willie Mae Jamison, she was the best cook in town. I wish I had some of her little cooking uh, <laughs> skills. I try every now and then. But um, I, I had wonderful parents, and they were well-respected in the Carbondale community. No, yes. And,
1: I, and that's, Pe- Pepper had just alluded to something specific. I couldn't remember what it was, but it was definitely a, a, a of affinity for your father like it was very clear yes when he would whatever gosh I, I'm have he to was the
0: deacon of, of Rock Hill Baptist Church I uh-huh. think he was one of the head deacons at the time at Rock, Rock Hill Baptist Church so he was one of the decision makers down there. So,
1: did you ever have anybody? I mean, you know, if it, with a father that had impact on folks' lives, was there was there ever a point where somebody come up to you and and you know years later and say something like, yes. "Oh, your dad," yes, this I, that these. yes,
0: I still do now. <laughs> and uh, then I come up. Then some people walk up to me uh, when Women for Change when we were doing things in the community and and uh reaching out and making strides and people walk up to me your dad would be so proud of you you know <laughs> so, those kinds of things and 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 how uh, much they remembered him and yeah. and the things that he would say uh in and speak into their lives and just like i say the uh, life and death is in the power of the tongue, and. When you speak life to individuals and building people, um, that is lasting and very impactful. And that's what I'm about. I'm about building people,
1: building lives. And that's where you find me. Is that part of... Because uh, you, you preach now, right? Or I am pre- an
0: ordained minister. Um, I... Uh, I'm in the Church of God in Christ and I am a missionary evangelist in the Church of God in Christ, Uh, raised up in church just about all of my life. My dad's dad was a pastor. Uh, My dad's sister was a pastor and uh, my cousin is a pastor of a church over here in Carbondale and so we just have that pastoring all the way around. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, in <laughs> essence, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but is, is that where you, you know, because you, you talk a lot about, uh, you know, the, the, the power of the tongue, right? And being able to speak, I mean, mm-hmm. know, which, which I, I, I very much connect with this idea that you really can just speak things into existence, right? That it starts an idea in your head. It
0: has to, yes.
1: Right, And it comes out your mouth, and then all of a sudden, it's a real thing. And then you start putting stuff together. And you start putting people together. And yes. You start solving problems. And all yes. of a sudden, it went from this thing that you just said mm-hmm. to this thing that you've now done. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, what's, what does that feel like? It's,
0: it feels amazing because I can look back at things that I thought that I would wanted to do. And I look around, and I wonder... But it was with being in the right time, the right place, speaking to the right people that had the right same uh, frame of mind that you had and had a mind to work to get things done. And I could have never done anything that uh, anyone said that Women for Change has done. I could have never done that without having a host of wonderful women you don't have to have all the women <laughs> i know when we first started everybody was coming but i think people were just coming in just to see where you you know what you were all about
1: yeah, what's going on yeah because they just the want to see what and... you're all
0: about right yeah, yeah. What, what's she doing what's she doing this what's she doing uh and so uh but god allowed those people that needed to be there to be there so I'm thankful. I really am. No. I really
1: am. Do you get to work with anybody that you grew up with too? I mean, I, I don't. I don't know how old you are. Deb, well, I, how am old Deb old. Is or...
0: I am old. I am old. We won't talk about this.
1: <laughs> I
0: have four daughters, and I have 22 grandkids, <laughs> of which six of them are great grand. So you know, I'm not. I'm not a,
1: a young girl. Where's Where's Abraham in the mix? All of that? Abraham
0: <laughs> is a grandson. And uh, his mother uh, is Rashida, and she had six children. Abraham had a a twin, and her name was Abrianna. She died 11 months after she was born. Abraham was 16 ounces when he came into the world, and he was on uh, medication to expand his lungs and... Uh, he's a miracle just walking around. So whenever I see him, (laughs) I just say, here is my little miracle grandson. (laughs) But yeah, it, it, there's a lot of memories there too. Is that part of keeping him so close? Yes, that's why I try to I try to keep him close, but now he's start looking at the girls, and I can't even get him to come over for an appointment to even eat ice cream with me.
1: Point, that's and he loves ice cream. <laughs> uh, you're settling into the real grandma role where you get a text every now and then, a phone call. Maybe he'll pick up after the third ring. Well, over. you
0: know, when he texts me, I know hmm, something is going on (laughs) somewhere. (laughs) So I have to get in my car and roll over there and kind of see what's going on. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, he's a teenager, so, you know, teenagers... They when they start looking at the opposite sex, uh, grandma becomes pretty much obsolete until <laughs> they want some money.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm terrified of having to do that with the twins because we got a boy and a girl. And I don't know which direction I'm going to go with all the activity that's going to be in the house. Yes, keep got And we got <laughs> to have all the conversations all at once with everybody in the room, and then everybody's red, and <laughs> blushing, Every- going, "Oh no!" <laughs>
0: everybody. And uh, I, I know one thing about family, it, it gives you a preview of how you entreat other people.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, family is so many personalities, so many, uh, they're different, but they're alike. Mm-hmm. And it teaches you that people are different, but the difference is what makes them uh, the relationship really great mm-hmm. and opposites are wonderful and <laughs> i have learned that you know in in this big family that i have i had a dream when i was a young girl i think i was hmm, maybe in my 20s and i had this dream about this house that i was in i
1: don't know why i'm telling you guys all this this is the story ginger this is why you're here and I had,
0: had this dream, and I was in this house, and it was full of kids. And I think I only had, like, one or two at the time. Mm-hmm. I said, where all these kids come from? And now I know that I was just seen in the future. Mm-hmm. I have all these grandkids <laughs> that come around, and they're wonderful grandkids. I have their Civil engineers, they're um, uh, mechanical engineers. I have a grandson that played overseas. He's down in Florida now. He's trying to do something with the sports world. And I think he's working for a car company, uh, was it Enterprise or something yeah, like that? Yeah. He came back because he got afraid before covid so he ran back over <laughs> here he said grandma has too many soft spot spots over there i guess they people were shooting and doing different things uh-huh. he said "Nah, i got to come back but you know <laughs> i have great grand you know i have great uh grandchildren that are doing great things and um uh, i'm i'm thankful i really am thankful i am thankful
1: has it been i mean has Has it been tough getting through COVID and not being able to connect with the whole family like you want to? Well, you
0: know, I, I prayed and, and I just went, my sister had a stroke right in COVID and, uh, she had just, you know, went through.
1: It's Okay. She
0: had just went through uh, having all the tests and everything coming back fine. She was diagnosed with breast cancer and she was doing fine and doing well. Just had gotten married uh, uh, six months into her. Uh, first time ever being married, she got married in in her 60s, you know, (laughs) and first time getting married and six months into the marriage, she finds out that she has breast cancer. So, um, then, um, during the pandemic, she had a stroke. So I had, um, to go to see about her and, um, then, um, went in to see her in Peoria and come back. And then um, my granddaughter, she had complications with her. Uh, She had a pandemic baby, my granddaughter in Texas. So I had to find a way to get there and come back. But um, we've kept in contact, but not in large numbers. Mm -hmm. Uh, They will come down and see me. I have them to do one family at a time. Come mm-hmm. on, just give me a break. And I don't have any problems. I said, okay, I see you guys. I'm in the bedroom. So you all do what you have to do up front. I'm not messing with you because I'm not trying to catch the COVID. Yeah. And then they would, the little bitty ones would come to the door, and they would always laugh because I would call them. You little COVID
1: carriers, go on inside. <laughs> go on in the other part of the house. They're coming in. They're already snotty. They're already coughing and wheezing everywhere because that's yes. what kids do. And... Yes. But, you know, uh, we had fun. You
0: know, yeah. it was just the fun. And they would come to the door. They they knew where their boundaries were. But uh, I have seen uh, my, uh, my family. I've had... Uh, them to come down and, and, you know, of course, check on me to see how I'm doing. But we kind of did things at a distance and everything was fine.
1: Are you feeling better having both, having had both the COVID shots now? I feel much better having
0: both of the COVID shots. I (laughs) I really do. But you know, but during the pandemic, we did a lot of things. Even we did the program over there at uh, Bethel Uh and we fed families. My, uh, I had uh, people over there cooking, and we uh, did curbside meals. Mm-hmm. So I have been blessed yeah. through all of this because I, I I know individuals that have done less than this and have had concerns with COVID. Mm-hmm. So I, I just really feel like I'm blessed that I was able to help others who uh, needed help and that's where I find my strength and my encouragement is when I'm helping and doing for others. It's,
1: it's just people, people miss it when they, when they just serve a sense of self and not yes. others. I, it just, you know, we, and I think that's part of what's brought in this world to where it is now. Is so right. many folks that are just interested in, you know what can i get for me and not you know what do i do around me because you know ultimately the the richest part of your life is the folks that you're surrounded by that is that is
0: absolutely (laughs) i agree with that i agree
1: wholeheartedly with that Uh, yes i do yes i do no it's just the it's just the feel yeah Man, so you, so you, when you talked about moving back, did you, did you have a family house that you came back to? Yes, my
0: mom and dad. I live right next door to the Erma Hayes Center, Uh and that's probably why I have concerns when people that, maybe I shouldn't say this, people that don't live on the northeast side of town, Mm -hmm. and they would like to say what should go on on the northeast side of town. Mm And I live right next door to the Irma Hayes. Yeah. So I'm sitting right there. when they come into the parking lot and they break glass, Mm -hmm. and I have to go out and sweep it up.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm the one that hear all of the fast driving up and down the street, in the alleys, Mm -hmm. 4 o'clock in the morning. I hear it. And the gunshots. Mm
1: -hmm. All of that. I I hear
0: it. I hear it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting right there, right in the mix of it. And it's real. And it is real. (laughs) And it is real. And um, that's one of the things that I am so concerned about is safety in our neighborhoods. Uh, Safety is a big concern And I'm concerned about senior citizens that speak to me and tell me that they don't feel comfortable in their homes, going outside and having a barbecue and sitting outside crossing their legs because of the violence that goes on in the neighborhood. And I'm really concerned about that. I'm Mm -hmm. concerned about, you know, if I can't walk down In my neighborhood, where can I walk? Yeah. And those are uh, the kinds of safety concerns. I'm concerned about the sidewalks. We have little bitty sidewalks over there uh on the northeast side and over on the other side of town. I've seen I mean there's the sidewalk project is something that Carbondale really, really needs to take a really good look at Mm -hmm. because some of the sidewalks are so narrow. Uh, A big person have to walk sideways uh, in order to walk down the street. Uh But then there are people that are disabled, disabled individuals, Mm -hmm. and they're wanting, they have scooters, and they have these accessible items that they have, accommodations for being a disabled person, and they have to use their scooters and ride down the street the street mm-hmm. instead of the sidewalks, where they should be able to uh, uh, ride down and leave their home, going to the main part of uh, Carbondale. Mm-hmm. Those are concerns to me that I, I really feel that the city needs to really take a really good look at. Copper is another uh, concern that I have. So and
1: that that's a, that's a really good you know kind of kind of next space to go into that because we were talking Mm -hmm. you know beforehand with with georgia and just kind of talking about some ideas that that would be a good you know just again core history for carbondale that not everybody knows not everybody's lived with had to experience themselves but you've experienced it from growing up to to having friends uh that have, have have had cancer as a direct result of the pollution of the copper site, um, I mean, how are you comfortable talking about that as as well?
0: Well, you know, copper. I'm concerned about copper because I'm. The first thing I'm concerned about, I'm concerned about why is it still on the city council's table?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why is the city of Carbondale still dealing with copper when we know that the ground is? dangerous and the ground has contaminants in it that has historically caused cancer in the northeast neighborhood. Environmental racism is what I call it, Mm -hmm. because whenever there is uh, systemic racism, systemic poverty, you will always find land that has been uh, Mm degraded. And that land over there is an example of land, the degradation of land. And uh, chemicals have been left there unattended. People have been exposed to it. The entire plant was even built for poor whites and poor blacks those individuals that would risk their lives to put food on the table for their families. Mm -hmm. And I have heard stories about uh, some of the people being so drenched in chemicals that they would have to wash themselves off and then burn the clothes before uh, uh, they entered into their homes. But they were individuals that took risk, and so they could... Uh, raise their families, but to still have chemicals, carousel, all of these other chemicals, uh, dioxin, furin that are known chemicals that cause cancer. And then you look at the role of people that died of cancer in close proximity to copper.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I talked to a young lady in town. And she said, next time you talk about that, call out my family's name. She said, my mother died of cancer. My grandmother died of cancer. My cousin died of cancer. All of them in close proximity to copper plant. But yet and still, they are continuing to clean off copper, Every time you, they go into copper to, to say, okay, it's okay, they find more chemicals, they find more problems, and somebody is concerned more about the money than they are about
1: the people. I was blown away when I drove by coppers, most recently in the past maybe week or so, Right around when they said, oh, next cleanup's done. And you just look at it and you go, oh, this this doesn't look. I mean, and, and not, not that you can tell by looking at anything that it looks clean or not, but it looks like all they did was turn over the earth to see more contaminants there. To see more
0: contaminants. See there. More contaminants. And there is an old saying I was telling Georgia about it, uh, the sacrificial zone. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. Georgia said, we don't say that anymore. But to me, it's a sacrificial zone. There are people and residents in the Carbondale area that have been sacrificed so somebody else can make a profit. And it's just time for us to look at things the way that they should be looked at. It's time for uh, this... uh, Beezer East Incorporated to make some decisions that will help the land heal and also to heal the people uh, that uh, live on the northeast side of Carbondale that have been experiencing problems. These substances cause low sperm count in some men, causes asthma. Count the kids on the northeast side that have asthma. Abraham's one of them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them do not realize that they are exposed to chemicals that's causing medical concerns. And then when you get to the doctor's office, I'm not going to even talk about that today. But anyhow, that's another problem when you get there when it comes to getting the right medical advice
1: mm-hmm. and there's there's no there's no checkbox for generational racism and exploitation of black bodies there's there's no line item at the top that just says check here if you're you know the grandson of somebody who was exposed to chemicals that has this long-term issue
0: yes right They'll just
1: write you off and say here's an inhaler good luck
0: yeah you, you, you can take it you have strong black bodies you know you can you can take it yes you, you don't need that extra medical attention even though your your insurance company's going to pay for it but that, that's okay that's okay I had an issue with um, one of my uh, physicians here in town and uh, I had to go to the hospital and I asked them to check some things out and uh, for some reason uh, she felt like it wasn't really necessary. So I wrote her a nice little note and said that I would not need her services anymore because I felt like she was not uh, making you know, good decisions and, and the t- decisions that she was making were, uh, were um, race-oriented mm-hmm. and, and I, I just did not feel comfortable being under her care anymore. And so when I did that, then she proceeded to go and get referrals that I had asked for in the very beginning <laughs> because <laughs> I, I believe that she realized too mm-hmm. that uh, uh, that she was acting and practicing out of, you know, maybe uh, just historical disparities that uh, – that she feels like, you know, things are okay. But I, I, I just felt that it wasn't okay. So um, I, I think there are a lot of issues that, that we deal with in Carbondale. And I just believe that it's time for change. And it's time for good change. And I, I believe that when people speak up and speak out, I think people do better. Um, I've had some issues even with the um, COVID. Mm-hmm uh vaccine dissemination of information Mm -hmm. it did not get to the underserved or the people that are disenfranchised or the Mm -hmm. people that are underrepresented Uh, it seemed like it went out to others first and then when it came out that we could make appointments the appointments were all filled because the information got to someone else before Mm -hmm. it got to others that's a problem to me so uh, I do what I can, and I just believe that collectively uh, we can all do better in Carbondale. We see the disparities. Maybe we don't want to realize it or <laughs> say that, that they're really there, but they are there. Yeah. They are there.
1: People are afraid of the difficult conversations because they already live comfortably. Yes. <laughs> Say that again. Say that again. People, Say that. people don't want to have the difficult conversations because they're already living comfortably. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: yes. And I don't know how you can be comfortable Yeah. when other people are uncomfortable. I, I I don't know how you can get that comfortable. I just really don't know how you can get that comfortable. But apparently people do I had a conversation with a young lady and I was talking about the people the young women we have to reach out to and uh, we got to have engaging conversations and get the young mothers because see, I'm concerned about young mothers I'm concerned about when young mothers go and work and they have to go work at McDonald's and they have to take care of their kids and they have to get a babysitter and they have to come and figure out if I, well, whether I pay the rent or do I pay the rent on the child for the babysitters, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned about that. But I was talking to this young lady, she oh, she made it, she made it. She lived in a nice big old pretty, pretty house. She said, well, they have to get it the same way I got it. What? And I said, wow, <laughs> what happened to equity? yeah you know
1: what well it, and, and people miss that I mean you know I the, it, it it astonishes me right anytime a successful person talks about how they got it on their own right because they've got money and they got the nice car and they got the nice house and whatever else it's like listen you're you are a statistical anomaly you got lucky <laughs> L- luck is a is as much a part of it as anything because there's people that have worked their entire lives that's true to to still live and 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 struggle through it. At any age.
0: Yeah, but you know what? Sometimes I think we forget about who helped us. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I wanted to tell certain people. I remember when this certain certain person made sure you got a scholarship so you could go to school. Mm-hmm. But see, we forget that there was someone in our corners that was that was pushing us promoting us so we could do better and when we forget those simple things of who got us started who made a way for us who said okay I will help you do this and when we forget that then we've forgotten about the essence of living so I don't know how anyone can get that comfortable (laughs) I just really don't because I think that Anyone that has done anything, someone has helped you. Mm-hmm. Even in your business that you have here, yeah. I'm sure you can look at individuals that sacrificed their time, their talents, their money in order to help you get where you are today. Yeah.
1: It's all of us. I yes, mean, it's it's it's. Like you said, it's relationships. It's relationships. Right? Right. The, right. Those relationships aren't just, I know you, you know me. Mm-hmm. It's, we've lived together. Right. All we've right. had experiences together. Right. There's one hand helps the other up. Other and hand. it's just a chain of actions. That
0: Absolutely. That Absolutely. 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 Well, the only thing that I can say, I'm not a politician. <laughs> but you can see that. I'm right. not a politician. I don't owe anybody any favors. I don't have any hidden agendas. The only thing that I am running, I am running because I believe and I know that I can promote and bring about good change through uh, finding resources and ways to. Uh, Help the residents that are in Carbondale. And I I know that there are many problems and concerns, and that's where you'll find me. You'll find me. (laughs) You'll find me right there working through the problem, trying to get things and make things better for all the citizens of Carbondale. I will listen to you. I may not have the answer, but I'll (laughs) listen to you and I will come back uh, with an answer. Uh, my pastor always told me, he said, You are a go getter and a bringer backer. <laughs> and I said, Well, I thank you for that. So I can say to Carbondale, I will be a go getter and a bringer backer <laughs> for the city of Carbondale to find answers so we can have a better Carbondale, Illinois.
1: And that's it. Is that it? That's it. Episode 42 of the WTF Carverdale podcast, the final in our series interviewing city council candidates for 2021. But there's so much more than that. Uh, of all the folks that we've talked to, uh, we, we're we all just folks that are your neighbors, that are your, as Ginger put it, your relationships. We are the folks that you're connected to. And I, I love I love the go-getter and bring her backer, right? Because that is that is just a good way to describe Ginger, uh, and the <laughs> and, and just what what she does. She goes out and she gets it, and she brings it back for this little place we call home, Carbondale, Illinois. Again, episode number forty-two is in the books. Ginger Rye, Sanders, uh, and as I always say at the end of these, have a good one, whatever that one may be. <laughs>